Revolution. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try and I try. This year marks five years since our maiden episode with Richard Schotten in February 2018. And to celebrate Call to Action turning five, we've asked the GASP team to rummage through all 130 episodes for us to re-release some of their favourites. So, back in January 2020, we kicked off the year with fizzy, fuzzy energy. The fizz and fuzz faded come March 2020, of course, but before that, we packed our plasticine carried out a search of the Avon to pick up Bristol's finest maker of noise, Gavin Strange. By day, Gavin is director and designer at the beloved Ardman Animations, the Academy Award-winning studio behind Wallace and Gromit and so much more. It's probably easier to ask what Gavin does not do, a sucker for a nighttime side project under the pseudonym of Jam Factory. He's also an author, actor, toy inventor and speaker on the global circuit. In one of the GASP team's all-time favourite episodes, Gavin talks candidly on having car parts thrown at his head, pixels, plasticine, what morph is really like, the unlikely crossover of Maya Angelou and Dragon Ball Z, and why we need more wonky things. He also gave us being time buddies with Beyonce. So, feel better about marketing with episode 28 of Call to Action with Mr. Gavin Strange. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards. Today, I've caught Gavin Strange. Gavin says, Me and Beyonce are time buddies. She's a genius, an incredible woman, and does amazing things, but she still has the same amount of time in a day that I do. Welcome to the show, Gavin. Wow, what an intro, flippin' heck, how do, I, how do I ever live up to that? Thank you very, very much for having me. Right, seven quick-fire questions, Gavin. Mac or PC? Mac. Dogs or cats? Dogs, for sure. Jam or marmalade? Jam, absolutely, hands down. Toy Story or Despicable Me? Oh, it's a tight one, but Toy Story edges it. Stop motion or CGI? Oh, my God days what an inflammatory question both caps or beanies caps all day right and lastly wallace or gromit oh my god are you trying to get me fired <laughs> it has to be gromit it has to be gromit brilliant uh, so gavin um what was your first job and how did you get into design and animation assuming that wasn't your first job my first, my first ever, ever, ever job was working in a, in a used car parts shop in Leicester when I was about 14 or 15 back then where you didn't have to be old enough to, to actually have a job. And my lasting memory is that I was so rubbish, the boss would regularly throw car parts at my head. 
because I, I just didn't understand any of the job. But that's not a creative job. Wow. Um, yeah, man. It's thinking back. A, the fact that I was underage, no one cared about that, did they? You just, you just, did, yeah. you just did the work. But the, I was just, I, I would be giving a filing system based on the part numbers and I would have to put them back. But I just simply did not understand. But I was too shy and too scared to ask. So I would just guess and just put them in places. And I only worked on a Saturday. So the guy who had the saw clearly would have to use it the rest of the week and would find just this mad crap everywhere. And and he would just have it out at me on me uh, every Saturday. So um, so yeah, so the HR department. Just been up for many. Oh man, yeah, the HR department was him shouting angrily at me. Um, uh, but that was not my my first. My first creative job was when I was was well, I wasn't even eighteen. I just I would turn seventeen. Was just about to finish up two years of college. Um, a, a BTEC in graphic design at the at Southfields College, which is now, uh, I think, Leicester College, uh, where I'm from in the Midlands. And yeah, basically, long, very long story short is I got a job as a junior graphic designer at a small design agency called Kristen Davis, um, based in, in Leicester in the Midlands. And I was thrilled. I was over them. I could not believe that I could be in the industry. I was just so just enamored with the whole process I couldn't even believe you know a couple of years prior to that when I started college it was I did it because I was interested in art and design and I love the way things look I just no one had ever explained to me or showed me the path of graphic design I didn't really didn't know I knew I enjoyed it and got a fuzzy fizzy energy from it but I didn't know how it worked so the fact that a couple of years later I could be a part of it just blew my mind so yeah that was my that was my first ever experience in the industry and what kind of work would you do there? Oh man, we do all sorts really. So, so when I joined, I, I, I did two years as a graphic designer at, at college, but I didn't go to university because, well, simply put, it wasn't for me. I just, I didn't, I didn't want to go. I just didn't. Um, I don't drink or smoke or party, and I thought that is all it was. And so I thought, why would I do that? <laughs> so I didn't. Get, I wish I could tell you it was a big grand decision, but it was sort of almost like oh, I'm scared of that, so I don't want to do that. Um, I thought I could, I could and should pursue something in the industry, and and the sort of work we do was was all sorts. So I joined as a junior graphic designer, um, but this was in two thousand, and there was this thing called new media. It wasn't even called digital or interactive design. It was new media, and we had we had a and I'm doing bunny ears here. We had a new media department, and that was one funny weird dude sitting in an office and called Nathan and everyone was a bit like we don't really know what Nathan does but he runs a new media department <laughs> and because I was such an excited impressionable young ute my my boss said do you fancy being an, uh, a junior graphic designer or do you fancy being a junior web designer I was like no way uh, I'd had tinkered around on the internet on my, in my own time just playing I just was I got my first PC when I was 16 I saved up and bought this a very old second-hand PC from a mate. And I was just sort of fascinated with all of it, really. I just wanted to tinker and play. I loved computers and technology growing up, but we never really had it. We were, you know, just a regular working-class family, so we didn't really have anything expensive. So when I sort of had my own machine, I just was obsessed with it, and I would tinker. I learned that you could build your own website using Microsoft Word, which I do not recommend to anyone at all. But you can do it. It is possible. So I tinkered with the web and, and sort of once I got offered the position of, oh, do you want to be a junior web designer? I said, 
yeah, yeah, didn't really know what it meant at all. So, um, so I would do everything and anything. I, we would make small websites for clients. They were predominantly small businesses or medium and large size businesses in the Midlands, um, uh, Transco Gas, um, Hillary's Blinds, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I didn't care because the world of Nike, Adidas, um, Apple, obviously Apple wasn't even a big thing back then, you know, the, the world of these blue chip clients, that never occurred to me. That And I think that kind of can be misleading because the majority of people get in the creative industry, you'll never touch that stuff because because it, it also felt untouchable. How could a, a young person like me ever get that into that world? You know, I was just thrilled and stoked that I could make a living being creative. So we would do all sorts of things for all sorts of people, but it was such a small team. There was two full-time graphic designers with a creative director in the graphic design department. And then there was my boss, Nath, head of new, head of new media, and me as a junior, you know, we were very new to this because it was a new, you know, it was, it was new as a commercial business. So we just sort of found our way working on all sorts of stuff. And, and the stuff I could work on was very much, you know, based on what my experience was. And, you know, I was brand new to the game. So, but I would just take hold and grab anything that I could and would just love the learning process. So it was a real, a real big variety in terms of the sort of work that we were doing back then. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to hear, I think um, we've touched on this, you and I, before in the past, but it's, it's nice to hear that you went a different route than what is most people default of assuming they need to go to uni and they need a bit of paper that, that suggests they've got qualifications to do X rather than just getting involved in the industry and learning as you go and just throwing yourself into it. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think now more so than ever, I think it really is it is about the work. That, and we're so fortunate that in this industry, it is about what you've done. It is my boss here once said, you're only as good as your last piece of work. You know, it, it is about the visual stuff that you have made. And it doesn't really matter when or why you made it. I totally get that maybe in an alternate university, I might have gone to university. Uh, I might have gone for further education and, and I would have learned things in a different way. But learning on the job, and I got so lucky that Nate, my boss, was such an advocate of well look you basically was like you basically need to get better and the only way you're going to get better is by doing so we would do stuff during the day i would learn how to build websites design websites make graphics make banners you know animate in flash because it was such a tiny team we sort of had to do it all and so i i would dip my hands in lots of different programs but basically he he encouraged me to look, you know, this is what you've learned during the day. You need to tinker with this more in your own time. And it was him that gave me the confidence and the idea to, to start what is Jam Factory. I basically needed a, an online space to learn what, to practice what I was learning during the day. And he says, look, just get yourself a domain name. This is where you go to get domain name. You know, just think of an alter, just think of a space and use it to, to develop. Mm. And so, so I loved alter egos and I always have. I love masks and alter egos and, and 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 sort of people putting out work under different names and at the time i was really into one two three clan and designers republic and too advanced and k10k like all of these cool names and yeah i just wanted a cool alter ego too but i couldn't think of one so i just thought of jam factory <laughs> Um, and, and that's kind of how I started. So, so much, so much of what, what actually all of what I do today, all of how I operate is thanks to that opportunity of you're only going to learn on the job and you're only going to get better by doing it and doing it more and doing it again and doing it better and doing it different and getting it wrong. 
you know. And so I, I just have such fond memories, and I'm so appreciative and grateful for all of those people that, that took a chance on a, you know, a 17 year old kid. And did you think, well, presumably first that you didn't get car parts thrown at you by Nathan? So I imagine that helped. No, that was he was a lot. He was a lot calmer. You know, don't get don't get me wrong. I was a I was a kid. And you know, I I did I did make some some big monumental screw ups. There's a, um, uh, I, you know, I'm pretty sure it's the same now. But uh, we did a lot of work for a building society, and it is a legal responsibility for a building society to have its its figures and its data uh, up to date. And for the first time ever, I was allowed to update and FTP the changes to the website. I'd never been allowed to do that. And I was so excited, and he was like, "You, you can do it, man. You, you can do it." And I really remember feeling so proud that I made these changes, uploaded it to the website, and then it was a Friday night. I also remember that I went into um, as the worst time to update your website. Oh man, yeah, like <laughs> an update, push an update at uh, like five to five on a Friday. But I did it, and I was so proud of myself because someone had given me their trust. You know, that's why it made such a big difference. Is because this person had decided to trust me, um, and that was a mistake because. Then about 15 minutes later, we were all hanging out in the main area of this design studio and Nathan grabs me and he's like, I need to talk to you. And basically, I'd screwed it up and got the data wrong and uh, the client was on the phone and I'd made a massive mistake. And, you know, back then it was all HTML tables and manually inputted data. There's no CMS. It was it was all done. And, and oh, I just remember feeling so, you know, when you know, like when you get told off at school and you have that gut punch yeah. feeling and you just feel like, I feel like I did something right and then I did it really wrong. Oh, man, I will never, ever forget that. Um, So, you know, but these, you know, I never, I didn't get, I didn't make that same mistake twice. I sort of learned to double and triple check and stuff like that. So, you know, these things are are huge learning curves, aren't they? And I am still so, so grateful for all of that. I, I often can't, I can't believe I am where I am. Well, let's jump straight there then. So so you are at Ardman. I mean, physically now you're at Ardman. I am indeed. Ardman rightly has has a kind of legendary status, certainly in the creative world and, you know, even more so in the animation world. What's that like? What's it like working at Ardman? And what does that, what does it mean? What does it, what do you do? I mean, I, I think it conjures up so many ideas of, of amazing plasticine models and crazy pixel art and animations and CGI and all sorts of weird and wonderful magical things. Is that what it's like? Oh, no, man, it's awful. It's so oppressive. I cry <laughs> on a daily basis. No, no. Oh, honestly, it's so difficult to put into words how exciting and wonderful this place is. And that's for a huge number of reasons. I mean, the first thing is just how diverse and, and and varied the work is here. So it's known for clay and plasticine and, and physical model making, but there's so many different facets. We have an incredible CGI team. We have an amazing technology team. We have an amazing interactive team. So we, you know, we'll make everything from commercials to short films to VR experiences to video games to clay characters to all sorts of stuff. So I'm sort of constantly in awe of the the huge group of excited people that are here and like the amount and the amount of people to to work from you know to work from and learn from is just astonishing uh, you know and i feel so lucky and fortunate to be here and to call these people my friends and to, to call them my peers and it's also the culture that pete and dave the two co-founders have, have created really the company's over 40 years old the guys met when they were at school and they literally started experimenting with animation on their kitchen table 
and they've built a business from it. This is their baby. And then, you know, fast forward 40 years, we, the, the company's now employee-owned. Dave and Pete gave the company to us, the employees, which is amazing as well. So we all have a stake in this this place. And, and that that is just sort of a testament to the attitude and the, like, the, the feel of it. And I can't, it feels, you know, I hope it doesn't sound like this is fake. Like, this is so absolutely genuine. Like, I have such a thrill coming here because it is genuine. Dave and Pete, and Nick Park, who's also a director of the company, he, you know, they're always around. It's not like this phantom organization, this phantom uh, upper management. We're all mates here and we all chat and there's no hierarchy in the sense of, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. You know, it's a genuine shared passion for making lovely stuff, making interesting stuff, making different stuff. So, you know, the fact that I started my career as learn on the job, you will get better as you do. You will learn from others. The fact that I then managed to find myself at a place that has a legacy it has of, you know, plasticine and clay and, and physical creations and tactility. But it's also about trying new mediums, trying new things, trying new everything. And and I'm still making that my role. That that is just flipping heck. You know, it, it is my it is it does boggle my it does boggle my mind. It really does. I love it. And that, and that legacy you reference, and um, I think the association most people would make with Aardman is, is one of, of stop frame, very classic animation. How has, how has technology affected the industry and Aardman specifically? Have, have pixels started taking over or is it still very much true to its roots? I think it's a blend between them, you know, really like everything. It's, you need to diversify and, 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 and plasticine and clay is Arban's heritage. But even back then when Dave and Pete started it, they were doing paper cut animation and clay and live action. And, you know, so it's always had its its history. Its breakout successes were clay, but even then, you know, there was, uh, as, as you know, the films like uh, Pirates uh, in Adventure with Scientists, that is an amazing mix of stop frame animation and 3D printing and beautiful CGI water you know so it's always been a bit of a combination so i don't know i don't know if i don't think everyone knows that about Arben, the sort of the the variety so plasticines and pixel have just like naturally evolved together and and it's awesome having that heritage because it is very special walking down to model making and seeing things have a tactile nature i i love that we can flip-flop between both and especially me who who is a digital person, started as a graphic designer, as an interactive designer. And then also, you know, whilst I've been here, I've transitioned to being a director. You know, I love bringing all these elements together. And it's like anything, it's a tool for the job. You know, what what's right? What's right to, to get the right tone to, or to get the right emotion or to get the right look? You know, sometimes it's clay. Sometimes it's 3D printed plastic. Sometimes it's 2D motion graphics. Sometimes it's a clever bit of type. So for me as a person that's excited on excited on all different types of mediums oh man it's just like the best playground because because no one's it's not like oh you dare to stray away from stop frame no not at all if anything it's it's the opposite it's encouraged that there that we could try and should try all different types of techniques and it's just awesome that we've got you know stop because it is very animation is very special you're seeing something come to life before your very eyes that is inanimate, you know, whether that's in flash or whether that's in dragon frame because you're shooting on the stop floor manipulating a puppet frame by frame. You know, I, I love that. I get very excited on the mixed variety of stuff happening here. So it's lovely that plasticine and pixels 
are basically, you know, sort of intertwined hand in hand going forwards. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, and I like the fact you you called it a tool for the job because I think um, certainly in more so our side of, of, of the creative world, I think people are, are easily fall into the trap of just designing straight onto computer without actually using the computer as a tool to achieve whatever it is they're doing. And that can start from anywhere. That can start from just sketch pads and notebooks and, and whatever it might be. It's, and you know, just literally, just before I, I came in and spoke to you, Giles, a, a fellow director who's, who sits on the desk opposite, he's developing a, a, a very big idea, a very grand idea, and, and he's, he's a, he works in all sorts of different mediums, predominantly digital often, but he has skills in all sorts of areas, and he's developing this character, and he's just got a bunch of clay, and he's right now sculpting a character that existed in 3D, and he's sort of tweaking it and now making it as a sculpt to sort of start conversations. And it's a you know, it's awesome seeing that different me, you know, him using a different medium and 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 bringing things to life and just whatever is appropriate, really. And I think that's that's really exciting. And and again, for me, I joined Ardman as an interactive designer. I joined as a senior interactive designer. So I've sort of jumped lanes or or, or added strings to my bow as as I've been here and. You know, the our, the interactive department is eleven years old. I, it, it, it maybe twelve now actually because it was it was new as I started. You know, and we were a very small group, and then we've expanded because the medium has expanded in in a decade. You know, of course, we are AR video games. You know, we started making flash games and HTML games. That was our DNA as a department. And then we last year released a, a full um, console game for Xbox and PS4 and PC. And, all done in in unity so you know it's nice that i feel like our small team that was within Auburn has also grown as the world's grown you know and again that just plays into this very natural let's make something great attitude that sort of is pervasive in this place and that that is why i feel so damn lucky because i think flipping it you know i could i could i, can't, I just can't believe i'm here to be honest <laughs> I, I love it i really do that's good. That's good to hear. It's good to hear. So, so then, how do um, I wonder how the, uh, the the characters? So, you've got some really long-standing characters. So, so um, one example, Morph. So, so Morph is he's in his forties, well into his forties, I believe. Is that right? Forties, yeah, yeah. yeah-ish. So, yeah. So, so what's Morph like nowadays? He's getting long in the tooth. He's like a, he's like he's got infinite energy. I think that's what I love about Morph. He's just and he's he's so. I think what's so great about Morph is when Pete and, and Dave first started creating him, you know, he he's called Morph for a reason because he morphs into different shapes and objects and characters, right? Um, but also he doesn't have an armature inside him, a lot of stock frame puppets to be able to manipulate them and for them to stand up. They have physical metal skeletons inside them. But Morph doesn't, and he doesn't because of the style, but also back then it was just Pete and Dave creating this. And, and engineering small metalwork is very difficult. So they didn't give him an armature. You know, that was a, a product of its time. So I love that it's sort of like anything. It's a creative solution. You know, they wanted to bring characters to life. And the best way is with a pure lump of clay, you know, with, with orange and white and black, they could create a full living, breathing set of characters. I like that that, it, that simplicity is just kept. You know, he hasn't, advanced anymore where if, if you meet pete lord he's a lovely human he can sculpt a morph in front of your very eyes and he doesn't really need to look in about 20 minutes he can just take a lump of clay 
and he'll just, you know, you'll be talking to him and he'll be looking you in the eyes and he'll just be sort of fiddling with his hands. And, and then, you know, at the end of it, he can just hold his hand out to you and there's a, a standing morph. That's really, really cool. I, I love that. So, I, again, I love that some stuff has, you know, advanced and we've used technology and, and developed things more. But also, you know, again, where appropriate and where right, these things are simple and honest and earnest. And I love that. I really, really love that. You mentioned about Morph having, um, I think you said, infinite energy. I think it would be fair, and I've heard people s- remark similar things about about you, that you've got e- either infinite energy or, as I said in your intro, you've got a great line that you like to talk about with Beyonce being being time buddy. Incidentally, I'm also a time buddy with Beyonce. I don't want to make things <laughs> awkward between us, but but it's a great way of putting it. And, and, and I think you achieve so much clearly at Ardman, but equally in Jam Factory, which you touched on very briefly before. So that's, that's a message that I've heard you say in your talks and I've heard you mention it on interviews elsewhere. Can you share the meaning behind that and, and, and why you like to, uh, to talk about the amount of time in a day? Well, I think, I think, it's, I think the hardest thing, especially just in life to, to, to do passion projects and to do anything out of your sort of new, normal hours is so difficult. It shouldn't be underestimated just how difficult it is to find, not only find the time, not only to find the literal hours of which to do something, it's to find the headspace to do it, it's to find the energy to do it. You have to have all of these things line up, which is incredibly difficult. But at the same time, this is life. This is reality. There's nothing you can do to escape from it. And I think as soon as you start taking a step back to get perspective, you have to stop at some point and go, well, I either try and achieve something or I don't. There's, there's a million different reasons why you shouldn't do something or you can't do something. You just have to sort of look at your own situation and just try and find a way because it ain't going to change at the end of the day, really. You know, and, and it is different for everyone. I'm really adamant to there is no one solution to prescribe to everyone it's simply not happening it would be arrogant of me to even suggest that I can only share my path my way of doing things at my current point in my life and my situation that's all we can do you know there's I don't think we should profess well you've got to do this you've got to work 23.5 hours a day and sleep for half an hour get up at four no way man that that might work for some it might also actually will also not work for others so I think it's about just sort of taking the time to uh, observe your own situation and work out what you what you could possibly do, but then also just finding solace, finding finding a, a, a some calmness in. Well, you know that person that I love and look up to is is doing what I want to do, and you know try and find common ground. The common ground is we all have the exact same amount of time. Sure, Beyonce has assistance and help and money and all of these things but at the same time it's like how many steps do you have to be removed to to, to go well that you know Beyonce can only do it because she has an assistant of course yeah sure that's true but also um Tommy Triple Hats down the road who you also love and look up to doesn't have all that but they're making it happen so how are they doing it okay you know you just have to be kind to yourself I think at some point and go okay, like, let's just find a positive. Let's find a positive in every situation and go, okay, well, I've got the same amount of time, so I'm going to make it work for me. You know, there's, there is a, so many different things that you can find in it. You can nitpick and go, well, they've got that, and that's why they can do it, or they, they do have this or don't have this. They don't have eight kits. I do. Of course that's true, but that's why you just have to be kind to yourself in that current, 
you know, time and your current situation and just try and find make things to help you do what you want to do because at the end of the day, nothing else is going to happen. You're in control of your own, that's all you're in control of, your own time and your own life and your own energy. And you kind of can't concern yourself with other people unless it is taking the positives from them and taking things to help motivate you. Don't sort of take the things that will just send you further down a spiral of, oh man, I can't do it then, you know. And it's a really delicate, difficult process. This is the thing, it's emotional and it's exhausting and, it's, and it, is, it is a difficult process, but man, you just, you got to try, haven't you? Because the, the, only, the only other thing is not trying. That's it. <laughs> really yeah the other thing i've heard you say on this actually which i really like is is advising people treat their goals like a game and identify the easy levels you know whatever whatever it takes just sort of just start moving start doing oh god yeah low-hanging fruit whatever you want to call it just anything pick the easiest stuff anything to gather momentum because once you've got momentum it gets a lot easier to gather more and i think yeah, I think that's it. Just do something for five minutes and it gives you that, you know, that little burst of positivity, that little inner feeling of, oh, I did that. You know, you might surprise yourself at what you can do in five minutes or you might surprise yourself that, oh, I just give it a shot and it actually sent me in it. You know, just take a step forward, even if it's a shuffle forward, it's forwards. You know, it's, it's a forwards direction. So I just think you have to use every tip and trick possibly to convince yourself that you can do it <laughs> yeah and and that advice of just saying yes is is you know sounds so trivial and simple and I suppose it could sound silly to some but it's so, it's so significant because I imagine and I'm you know potentially putting words in, in your mouth here but I imagine when you started and you used to work alongside Nathan you never thought you would I don't know design toys or end up on CBBC or you know all these crazy things must have happened in part just to that willingness to chuck yourself in and, and do stuff Oh, absolutely. And they only happened because I tried. I was never really a person. I, I honestly never thought much of myself and not in a, not in a, oh, listen to me. In a genuine, you know, I grew up uh, a very average with very average grades. I never, there was never any reason to expect I would have a dream job or anything like that. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a sob story. That's just a, I never thought I could. And it was only by taking really small steps outside my comfort zone of going, oh, maybe I maybe I could then, you know, because no one told me I couldn't. I thought, oh, okay, I'll just try. And, you know, I, I tried and, and went out on a limb and, and got a little bit of reward in the way, of, oh, I surprised myself of what could happen. You know, you then just multiply that effect. So you, you take a bigger step and you go, oh, okay. And just, you know, it was just a very gradual sort of, oh, maybe I'll just try it. And especially in the creative industries, aside from the risks of, um, you know, maybe needing to bring home the bacon and maybe needing, you know, to, to earn enough to survive. You know, aside of that, these risks, it's not like you're going to kill yourself or you're going to die. It's not physical risk. You know, it is more risk of where you're spending your time and energy. And once I felt like, oh, okay, there's not an awful lot that can go wrong apart from maybe a waste of time and nothing learned is a waste of time, I, I don't believe. So I just thought, oh, just, just go. And it's just been a like a process of just pushing and pushing and seeing see how how far i could take it really yeah and it is that fear preventing you isn't it i suppose i think more so maybe at an early age there's we'll pose this question to you later on in in, in this episode but we've had an answer previously by um frederick halberg who's a wonderful wonderful marketer from from sweden and, and his advice to his younger self was just to stop worrying about things so much or making mistakes because when you're in that context and in your headspace 
again, more so I think when you're younger starting out is, is you genuinely think it's going to be the end of the world. Um, this big dramatic catastrophe. And actually it never is. I mean, yeah, Nathan might be cross with you or someone might throw a car part at you, but I mean, that's not acceptable. Let's not trivialize that. But, <laughs> but actually the world didn't end and, you know, you may have learned something and you may have improved and, and I think that's this this whole letting go of that fear is 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 significant in people's lives. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's also then not to be trivialised, is it? Of that that like that fear is real. It is genuine. It is. It can manifest itself in so many different ways for so many different people. It that's why it is really hard to go because it's not like a logical step. It's not like well, if you just step on that box, it's not. It kind of isn't like a video game in that way. It's like well, no, because it's all difficult and complex and emotional. And I'm battling my own thoughts and my own insecurities and my own inadequacies. But then that's as if you then just try and game gamify it and you just try and think, oh, just just do anything you can to try and overcome that that emotional hurdle. That's when it does feel like, oh, you just I think you get such an immediate response because it is something so personal and emotional that you do get real time feedback because your your feelings dictate that to you. So if you can just try and again use any tip or trick you can to to go forwards that's the thing it is just so damn difficult because it's just so flipping in emotional you know tied to you as a human being how you how you operate and that i've also realized this is a lifelong pursuit that will never get easier it will it might the opportunity you might understand patterns in yourself more but something will change you know five minutes or five years down the line and you'll have a new hurdle of how to go forwards and you'll have more responsibilities and more things to risk because you have to provide for a family or, or a loved one or whatever it is, you know. So it's just sort of identifying that, okay, I know that in my life there will always be things to worry about. There will always be things I have to worry about myself and I will always be feeling like I'm not good enough. Cool. If that's the ground, that's the, the ground rules, okay, let's go forward. Let's, let's try, you know. Yeah. And then um, talking about, well, two things. Firstly, that release that you talk about, just letting go of that and also... Uh, motivations of why you do stuff. I know you're a big fan of doing silly things, and is that presumably that's under the guise of, of, of or, or pseudonym of Jam Factory, as well as in you know your professional paid for working life at Ardman. Yeah, I mean, I look. I think I've always gravitated towards silly stuff. I just think there's so much darkness in the world on a on a base of there's so much darkness. I just want to inject a bit of fun and a bit of want to make people smile or at least make people feel something, you know, feel as I feel like it's a very privileged role as a creative in whatever field that we're in to, to actually be able to emotionally impact people. That's amazing. That's very fortunate. So I kind of want to make people feel good stuff. Um, and also, I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, charm and humor is just part of Arben's DNA as well. And, you know, just, they always want to make people laugh and or just make people feel something. So I feel like this is such a natural bedfellow for me to be here um, and to be around people that I can learn from about how to uh, tell a better story, you know, create a, uh, a a powerful character, and and yeah, I just love, I just love fun stuff. And actually, I'm finding out more and more about myself as I get older and as I create more. I am learning who I am and actually what I'm gravitating towards. You know, in the past couple of years, as I was made an official director here as I'm taking on projects and you're forced to be more introspective about who you are and what your sort of unique proposition is, is why someone should hire you as a director to create something for them. You know, you do end up looking at yourself and what you make and, you know, I'm discovering patterns and 
where I previously never thought I had a style. I, I used to get quite sad that I don't have a distinctive style, but maybe I don't have a style, but I definitely feel like I have a pattern, you know, and it is hopefully fun and energy and hopefully impact and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's sort of learning, you know, I think this whole creative journey is just about learning yourself. And it also, sorry, just to go off on it, not even a tangent, but, you know, there's so much out there of, there's so many people telling you how you should or shouldn't live your life and this is the best way to be happy and successful and I mean I wrote a damn book on it but it really is my own experience and opinion and it's up to an individual to to decide what parts they take from that and go yeah I agree with that and what parts they go absolutely not that is fundamentally wrong to me and I hate you and do not agree you know that uh, is about you as an individual filtering stuff out I guess you know deciding what noise you're going to listen to and let in and what you're what you're not and that's that's a wonderful thing as as well. You know, I, I want to be a realist about this this stuff because it is hard and it's difficult and it's emotional and it all is all the things that we spoke about. And you know, there's no sort of I don't know. You can't sugarcoat it. It's complicated. And it's difficult. And I don't know. My someone once described the book I wrote as it's a self help book for people who flipping hate self help books. And I love that. I was like, yes, I'd, I'd agree with that because I <laughs> it was never intended to be like that. But, uh, you know, because I would never want to prescribe a certain way. And I, I guess just by, you know, what we're doing right now, but just by talking and extrapolating those feelings uh, and, and thoughts on a creative career, that's how you can, other people can gain stuff. That's how I can gain stuff, isn't it? By saying it out loud, you go, oh, okay, maybe that is how it works or maybe not, you know. I don't know. What do I know, Giles? I know nothing. Oh, but I'm digging. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I think that's it. It's going to be a lifetime of digging, isn't it? And I think when you make when you make peace with that and go, okay, that is what it is. We interrupt this podcast to announce that we will never interrupt this podcast with ads. Ads that awkwardly nudge you to contact the pod's host, Giles Edwards. Only last week, some pod listening companies did just that, calling for guidance on proper marketing. But we're not asking you to do that. Nope. Anyway. Back to the show. Marketing is incredibly confused with sales. I think you're the one who's more confused, Gary V. Sunshine. That's the thing. Here we go. But the answer, funny enough, we actually made this point in a, in a new biz, completely unrelated new biz meeting earlier where I was talking about the answer is actually the process. It's not what is the answer to this. It's, it's all a process. So the answer will reveal itself and not until you've done that process. And I think that's probably true of what you're what you're saying is it is it's well, that ongoing constant cyclical isn't it it's just an yeah. ongoing thing um i do want to dig into the book more specifically and i also wanted to talk to you about your favorite project but before we do you talked there about um wit and uh humor being part of ardman's dna and i think it's fair to say it's you know a thread that follows into a lot of your work as well specifically mentioned about how you make people feel something there's a, an inspirational woman that um, I imagine a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with, Maya Angelou. And without necessarily knowing it was a quote of hers, I have used her stunning quote, which is, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will, f- will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, which I think is true and certainly an argument for, for the, the power of humour and wit. But you worked on a film for... BBC Radio 4 as a celebration in, in, in many ways of hers. So, so what was that like and what did that mean to work on that film? 
Oh man, I mean, first of all, that quote is wonderful. That is probably one of my favorite Maya Angelou quotes. It's just so perfect as well. And she's, I mean, it was an incredible dream job. So the, so the job was, for the, for the listeners, it was a, a film to celebrate a series of radio programs about the incredible Maya Angelou. Um, she is such a, 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 a just mind-boggling force of nature, really. That was the best way to describe her uh, and what she did in her lifetime. And the film was to go online to uh, just sort of educate people on just what an incredible human being she was. She sadly passed away. And it was to just, yes, yeah, support this, this wealth of content, these series of radio plays that were dramatizations of her life on BBC Radio 4. And it was just... Oh man, it was just, and that was my first official directorial gig at Oddman. I've made lots of films over the years, but that was my first when I was signed as a director. And I just thought, man, this is amazing because, because basically how, what I did was, because there are so many different facets to her. She was an activist, a writer, an author, a director, a singer, a dancer, Oh man, I'm sure I'm missing some. She she basically was the ultimate polymath, and I adore polymaths. I'm fascinated by people who have many many strings to their bows. And I just the way I sort of framed it, and and BBC their brief was about making something with energy and force to match the force of nature that she was. I imagine that if you were playing a video game, specifically a video fighting game. And they all the characters were the different versions of Maya Angelou. Not a, you would never get like the no, oh, I don't want to be that character. Oh, I don't want to be Dalsim because he's a bit rubbish and he's really awkward to play with, and I can never get his springy legs. You know, with a Maya Angelou video game, you'd be like, yes, that one's badass. Yes, that one's kickass. Yes, that one's super. You know, every single facet of her personality was just incredible. So that is why I sort of framed it almost like a, a video game infused with manga it was sort of like the amazing dragon ball z video game that was that had all the tropes and energy and force of ridiculous fighting games and graphic delivery systems plus the energy of 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 power-ups and 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 manga and anime so it was it it was just like my dream thing it was using all the references i adore it was with an incredible human being its soul purpose was to have energy to reflect the energy and boldness and and power of this individual and we got to make it with a banging soundtrack it was like (laughs) oh my god this is this is a dream job so so yeah it was just an incredible project and i learned so much as well we got to basically get um amazing archive footage and photos and video and just do a deep dive on this incredible human being so in as well for that to be sort of almost my welcome film as a as a director and a designer because i got to uh, i i did all the animation as well so it was all, it was a full you know left to my devices to design direct animate was just an absolute dream really it was amazing well we'll link to that in this episode's listing so people can 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 go off in fact now if you're listening go and have a look before you continue because it's it's well worth a, a short break. So let's, let's talk about the book. So Do Fly. So everything we've touched on here in terms of your inspiring outlook on life and really tips of how people can make progress and, and say yes and do stuff is all wrapped up in in your book. So so how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, as well, just, I've never really framed it like this, but I suppose like, uh, again, I never want to prescribe a way to do things, but it's sort of like if you go and, 
have some someone's like, oh, 10 trips and 10, 10 tricks in After Effects or 10 uh, uh, illustrator hacks. You know, if I can, if the book can be like that, but hopefully for a creative life, and that's great. You know, you can decide whether that tip is relevant for you or useful for you or, oh, that's a different way to do something that I previously done. I don't want to prescribe it as you must follow this book and this is the way to be happy. You know, it, it's, it's quite nice almost, yeah, it's like a, almost like a life hack book you know, sort of things that I've discovered, shortcuts, if you will. Um, and the way it came about was a very long story short. I am very lucky enough to be a, a speaker. And I've spoken um, for for 10 years now, uh, 11 years, actually. It was 2008 I did my first talk. And um, I got the chance to speak at a very prestigious event called the Do Lectures. And what makes the Do Lectures so special is both the speakers and the audience is curated. It's in Cardigan in Wales, a beautiful part of the world. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no internet. There's no phone connection. It basically is a beautiful farm um, in Wales. And it has normally about 20 speakers and 40 attendees. There's no name badges. There's no speaker dinner. Everyone is together. And everyone camps and stays there. And as well as there being no phone signal, there's no shops around. So no one just toddles off you're all there together and what that means is especially with the curation is all these people are really interesting people doing interesting stuff in their own time and it's called the do lectures because everyone does stuff they're a doer in whatever form that may be so that means all your your conversations over dinner or breakfast or when you're going for a run in the morning are just really natural and you're like oh what do you do then oh i did so and so da, 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 da. And there's been, it's been amazing. There's been uh, uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the internet, spoken there. Al Gore uh, has spoken there. You know, there's been amazing people doing amazing things. And I was fortunate enough to go in 2016, I think, or 15. And I spoke and I had an incredible time. And, and it's also very personal. They say, give the talk that you never give. And it's about, you know, not being so polished and not being so rehearsed it's about the raw side of these people and so i had an amazing time met amazing people met lifelong friends there it really is it's very difficult to talk about that thing without it sounding like a cult but i promise you it is incredible and all the talks are online for free as well which is an amazing thing. <laughs> the event is a wonderful thing but the, all the talks are free so so i did this talk and when i was there they have a publishing imprint called the do book company that publishes books by speakers and when I was leaving, I was given a copy of the their latest um, book, which was called Do Purpose. And it was written by David Hyatt, who was the founder of the Do Lectures, but also the founder of Hyatt Denim and was the co-founder of Howie's, the, the, the brand back in the day, amongst many other things. And he's a really interesting, influential, inspirational guy. He just makes things happen. So I, I took this book and was very excited to get it. And I read it cover to cover on the way home. And what struck me about this, not only was it a great book and it was very much like life tips and just great, just unique ways of framing things that I'd never heard before. It was written in a way that I write my talks. It was sort of big, strong headlines and then sort of data and words and graphics and sort of things to back it up. And I'd never read a book like that. And I definitely never read a book that made me think, oh, maybe I could write a book. You know, I'd never, ever thought that before, ever. Um, and so I just, in the spirit of being a doer, I just flipped to the back of the book and noticed that there was an email address there. And 
just send an email saying, hello, you didn't meet me at the Do Lectures, but I, I'm lucky enough to have been a speaker. I've just read David's book, Cover to Cover. I thought it was amazing. And it made me think I could write a book. I write my talks in a similar way. Um, Thanks. I'd love to hear from you. You know, just a total stab in the dark. You know, why not? Because especially now we're in the age of you can just fire off an email and, you know, if you get the crushing disappointment, they don't have to see your face. They don't see you cry. They just, they you just get a polite no or or, or even worse is ghosting if no one actually gets back to you. That, that hurts, man. That hurts even more. But, you know, whatever it is, the, 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 it's not as personal anymore. It, not as personal, not to say it's impersonal, but, you know, you can basically manage your own uh, those crushing defeats in your own time, which is wonderful. Um, but Miranda, who's the, the founder of Do Book Company, got back to me and we started chatting and one thing led to another and it was like, right, cool, you're going to write a book. And it was like, oh, amazing, going to write a book. And then the very next moment was, oh, God, I've got to write a book. How the hell do I write? How have I got here? Um, um, and yeah, it just started an amazing process really and a process that I was never used to and a process that I got wrong to begin with I just couldn't I was used to sort of doing passion projects and stuff in my own time in the evenings but I just couldn't I could I could I felt like I could dive into design because I, I don't know I'd spent you know a long time just working out a design process that worked for me but writing as much as I love writing and I would write my own stuff and talks and stuff but writing a book was a very different process and it wasn't until a friend here a lovely friend called Finbar Hawkins who is a creative director but also a writer he says well you know you should try getting up in the mornings I find I'm most productive writing before everyone else is up and I was like no way man I'm not getting up early no way I'm happily worked late no I ain't getting up early and then I thought hmm maybe I should try it and lo and behold he was absolutely right it was a totally different headspace because the house was quiet um, I had no other thoughts in my brain because I just got up. So sort of it meant I could, you know, I wasn't at home just every so often your brain think about the thing that happened at work or that email you missed. You know, first thing in the morning, actually the groggy head was good because it just let sort of the words flow almost. Um, so so that's sort of how it, how it came about. And uh, a few months later, I think, I can't remember how long it took, but yeah, I had a book at the end of it. And then I got excited and, and, and worked with uh, the Do Book Co's designer as well to help with the design. And I did all the illustrations and I made a film for it and I shot the photos for it. I just wanted to, you know, it was such a unique and wonderful experience. I wanted to repay Miranda's kindness in taking a chance on me and, and, and do everything I could and, you know, make it a full it's called do flying it's about you know do, doing as much as you can and being a doer i thought well i want to do everything i can on the book you know so so yeah it was an incredible process it was a terrifying process i i really didn't know if i was doing the right thing but in terms of what i was making but having miranda as the editor and, and she worked in publishing for a very very long time at lots of big publishing houses before starting do book book company on her own you know, she was an amazing editor and she gave it form and she gave it shape and she rejigged stuff and gave me a path to, to follow, which was awesome. So, yeah, it's such a unique process, something that I never, ever, ever, ever thought would, would happen. And, and I'm thrilled. You know, I just yesterday someone tagged me in a picture of, of a book and that's a very special thing about a book. They exist forever and they aren't tied to uh, aren't tied to a time. They are they just will exist in, in the universe. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very good point, and um, 
And the other point about the book is uh, the, the cover was done by a previous pod guest and, and another total legend, James Victoria. Oh, amazing. Yes, James is an absolute legend. He, he is a truly unique human being. He is a force of nature, talking about forces of nature. Yeah, he's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful dude is the only word I can use, James. He really is. Um, so is there another book in you? Do you know, funnily enough, I would love there to be. I've actually sort of come round to the idea, I say come round to the idea, like the world's waiting for it, but I would I would love to. And I actually, what I want to do is I float the idea past Miranda, but what I need to do is write a proper book treatment. It was all a bit loose to begin with, but I need a proper creative proposition for why a second one could exist. And so I keep meaning to do it this year, really, uh, but I want to give it some proper time and energy and and uh, and I I feel like if I could do it, it would hopefully be like a natural successor to Do Fly, which was, I think, sort of aimed at everyone, you know, with a sort of a, a that wants to make things happen in their lives. And hopefully, you could apply that to many different things. But I kind of want this follow up to sort of almost be like a, a an essential guide for for fellow creatives, um, really. That so it's sort of almost do create. You know, it's it's getting the best out of a creative situation, really. So. That is my my top line, and I would love it if Miranda could take a chance on me. And and but you know who, who knows is I might write it, and she's like, "What? That is terrible." <laughs> so you know you don't know you don't know you you've got to try. Um, someone, um, someone once said, "You've already got to know. You might as well try for a yes." You know you've got to. You, you, there's no harm in trying. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that comes back to our earlier chat, really, doesn't it? About you know you've, you've got to you've got to fail to succeed. You've got to get through that through that barrier and I must also note that you um you did this book very early in the morning as a as a relatively new dad as well so that that's um, particularly impressive yeah that was a bit bonkers I sort of learned I did learn I said this until the day I learned there's two five a.m's there's two five o'clocks in the day which I never knew I thought there was five o'clock you know about tea time didn't realize there's actually another five o'clock which is amazing <laughs> who knew um yeah and it was a it was a funny squeeze sort of when my son was born and and there was another project that I did that, that sort of was pushing those times and I'm just really glad I discovered that I could get up early and I could work but then I wouldn't work in the evenings I'm 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 quite adamant to get a good balance uh something that I previously didn't have when I was a lot younger but again that's absolutely important you know talking of failure as well as failing at projects it's failing at balance i think you have to get it all wrong to know what's right so so yeah so so it was a, such a unique process and i'm so grateful and yeah i'd love to do it again who knows awesome awesome well i'd like to move on to our listener questions so asking the general public for their opinion be it on brexit or boat names is notoriously fraught with danger <laughs> but that's not stopped us asking so as usual we've selected two uh, Gavin, starting with Will. So Will says he's soon to be studying animation at Leeds University and asks, uh, do you have any tips for easy to pick up and mess about with animation software or techniques? Oh, that is a good question. I think there's all sorts really. It kind of depends what kind of animation. I mean, if you can afford create Adobe Creative Cloud, um, especially with the student discount, that's very good to get into because not only is there lots of different options there, you've got After Effects or you've also got, um, it used to be called Flash, but it's now Animate. They are really good packages because what they could do is lead you into industry standard pieces of software. You know, we use 
Uh, I know lots of directors uh, still animate in Flash slash animate, and I animate in After Effects. So uh, if you can get a cheapo version of that on student, that that would not set you wrong. But also there's lots of uh, tablet apps as well. There's um, there's quite a few stop motion apps. I think, let me look, he says, looking at his phone, there is a app, a really good app that just literally lets you take photos on your on your tablet or your phone, lets you stitch together photos to make stop frame stuff that is that's really helpful um i think that's cool i think that's just called stop mo or stop motion so that so just basically have any old google on the app stores really i think skills are quite transferable especially if you're just starting out so anything that lets you get a result really i think it's kind of i like those people that end up using kind of inappropriate programs to make stuff happen you're still learning the fundamentals you know of especially animation it's just bringing something to life isn't it so the tool is a tool really don't worry if you can only afford a basic version versus someone using the pro you know they what that won't make you a better animator or a better creative that may you may have access to more bells and whistles but bells and whistles don't make something come to life so you know i think get your hands on anything that you you can um yeah you can't go wrong with the the adobe the adobe suite really um or you can get three but if you're getting into 3d things like blender are very cheap if not free um if you're getting into cg or 3ds there is a free version of cinema 4d called cinema 4d Lite that is hidden inside adobe after effects so if you do get the creative subscription creative cloud subscription you can also get a free version of cinema 4d light um so yeah so just basically any any tool um really don't don't worry too much just by you showing an active interest you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead if you've already just got your head into like techniques and all sorts of stuff so um good luck will you will smash it brother <laughs> nice one. Uh, what was the name of that app? Is it Stop Mo? Did you say? I think it's called Stop Mo or Stop Motion. I can't find it on my phone. Yeah, or Stop Motion Pro. Just that's a really good one for basically taking frames um, and and just just yeah sequentially. Really, that's that's all you that's all you need. Cool, excellent. Okay, well, um, the second question is from Bianca. So I'm not sure um, what stage of working or studying life Bianca is at, but she. She asks, uh, well, she says, so many processes across the creative industries are becoming faster and faster due to commercial demands. Is there pressure for animators to use tech to shortcut and cut costs also? So I don't, I don't know if that's p perhaps similar to our conversation earlier about pix pixels versus play or, or... Well, great question, Bianca. Thanks for the question. I don't think there is. I don't actually think there is any, there is no tool that makes you shortcut, like going, um, and we have the same conversations here, going into CGI versus stop frame. There's really not much in it because you, where you'll save on one part of the process, you'll have to add on for another one. So I don't actually think there is, there is any, there's no like magic bullet that will, will save time. And I think just naturally commercial work has always got shorter deadlines. It's always a little bit more, um, intense and I think just what happens with that is I don't know you must for example in CG you might not have as many rendering processes or uh, passes or you might not the the you'll be smart I think you'll be smart and I think those decisions get made a bit more up front so when you're 
to take animation as an example, you or storyboard something, you wouldn't build you wouldn't build a gigantic set because you only see it for two frames. If you're on a feature film, you might. You know, so I think though I think you what's good about that is you the the smartness, the clever filmmaking, the clever creativity happens up front because that's a that's that's a, a process that has to happen. So because yeah, because there really isn't any magic bullet. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, if you might animate something in a flipbook, that is going to be a lot quicker than a full stop frame puppet build photographic thing. You know, it, this the style the style can dictate that as well, and it may, you might want a scrappy approach. But yeah, that 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 is kind of then comes down to stylistic choice, really. So yeah, no magic bullet. Just I think it it is up to you as a creative to sort of decide where best to spend your energy and spend your time really but that's exciting i think you know creative limitations lead to interesting stuff yeah 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 for sure and it's probably why you know messing around with an app for example as you as you suggested to will is is you know it's it's it's, it's from the kind of play isn't it just playing around with stuff like that 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 you can find little bits of magic yeah exactly yeah someone here once said don't make it perfect make it now which i absolutely want to live by especially in my own time because you can you can agonize over something and and i just think a a a wonky something is better than a brilliant nothing personally yeah and of course that doesn't always apply to commercial creativity It, it obviously has to be right but in terms of you know at least if that thing exists as a test or as an experiment you've got it on your portfolio or in your reel or something at least it exists you aren't going to win a job or you aren't going to solve a creative problem by going, oh, yeah, I had this idea for this thing once, but it didn't happen. You know, it will exist with, oh, well, I actually had this little experiment. It's a bit wonky, but, you know, you've got a proof of concept there. And sometimes it might evolve into a full thing. I think, I think yeah, just sort of making some, putting something into the world and, and iterating on it is is a good way to to go because you'll know if it's commercially appropriate and or if it's going to work for you or not but at least if it exists you know you've 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 gone through a small part of the process and you know what will save you time or what might take you flipping ages so you only you only figure out these things don't you by by doing basically yeah exactly exactly um so the final part of the interview gavin is our four pertinent poses that we put to all our guests so these are our usual questions Number one is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Do you know what? I think about this. I don't think I would say a damn thing to my younger self. I would be a silent... Actually, I wouldn't even want to be a fly on the wall because it would be so embarrassing. I think it's so important to make all the mistakes that you're going to make to to the things that make you look back and cringe. I just think you have to do it. I wouldn't want to steer myself in in any direction i think you are the sum total of all your experiences of all your 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 the positives and negatives the things that were great the things that were bad the things that were horrendous the things that upset you the things that uh, enraged you i i think you have to go through it because it makes you who you are it makes you the creative that you are that's why if you are given the exact same brief and the exact same parameters you will make something different. And I think that's why it's really important to be inherently you, to sort of hold on to those things. And I've got a feeling, and I'm only learning this myself, it will take a lifetime to be comfortable with who you are and what you do. Because you will only ever look at everyone else doing stuff that you look up to. And you think, 
oh, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could do that. I did that. I did this about four hours ago. I was on my lunch break scrolling into Instagram and I just thought, man, everything I've ever made sucks. You know, because that's just natural. And then I went, no, this is natural. You'll get over it. And then then I got stuck in because my lunch hour was over and I actually was just tinkering around with a bit of music and then I got cracking again. And then you forget about it. You know, it's sort of, it's accepting that you all, you will feel like that. And actually what's more important is trying to accept who you are, what makes you you, how you operate and seeing that as a positive, um, really. So yeah, I would just leave my silly younger self alone and let me make all the same silly mistakes because it's incredible. Yeah, just, just, just be you. Yeah. Nice one. That's a good answer. It's a great answer. Um, number two, Gavin, then, if you could banish one thing from your industry, what would it be and why? Oh, my God, just one. Uh, <laughs> I pride myself on being really positive, and then when I get on a rant, I am nonstop. Um Oh, I don't know. I don't know because our industry, we are, we're so damn lucky. Like, this isn't work, is it? Let's be real. This is not work at all. This is not labor. It's not exhausting. It can be emotionally exhausting. Don't get me wrong. You know, of course. But take the step back and looking at the, the universe and everything that's happening. We are so unbelievably fortunate in every single possible way. You know, and I want to. I want to really hold on to that as well. I want to sort of hopefully pride myself on on remembering that, on not forgetting that. So, I mean, there's there's specifics, isn't there? There's like design competitions that exploit people that don't pay anything. Uh, there's there's obviously a lot of companies that just flat out rip off other people's work and don't credit them. There's all of that stuff, but. That will always happen, you know. That 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 will. There'll always be something to moan about. I think if everything was perfect, God, imagine if everything's perfect. We've already got it so good. If we were like, uh, actually, yeah, there is literally nothing to complain about in this industry. Then flipping out, man. I think we need those challenges to sort of to get us out of bed in the morning. To you got to feel that anger. I think you got to feel the frustrations to 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 appreciate the highs you know you've got to get the lows to feel the high so i think all the things that wind us up and are frustrating you know are are part and parcel of it i i wouldn't change i don't know that's been incredibly idealistic isn't it but i think this the small and the things that annoy is like i don't know yeah design competitions about work that that feels to me that like it's always business that sort of can screw that over it's always it's always ulterior motives um that 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 happened i think do you know what i've now thinking about it actually what i would stop is the immediate critical takedown of a rebrand or the immediate critical reaction to this logo's changed or that i don't care let's all just get on with what i what we're doing so much energy goes into critiquing and tearing down other people or other creations or just let's just stop you know almost i'm kind of i find the very act of criticism bizarre in a sense of film critics i get why they exist and i read a lot listen to a lot i follow a lot on youtube but at the same time why not just spend your energy making your own thing why are we incessant on tearing something down and don't get me wrong i'm the first to laugh at a wonky bit of vfx or or a shonky thing but I, I don't know I also like that it exists you know I 
I kind of like that. I just feel there's so much energy is poured on scorn and and bitchiness. And I think that we could do without. Let's just all be left to our own devices and make something. It might be wonky. It might be chunky. It might be all of these things, but it also might not be. Like, let, let us make the wonky stuff to get better. You know, that sort of thing. I, I feel like we could maybe do do without that. But what do I know? That's just my own silly. <laughs> That's not silly at all. In fact, a uh, previous uh, guest and friend of mine, Lee, Lee Davies, made, he's, he's a very talented designer, graphic designer, and he he made the same point that, you know, yes, we're it's easy to be critical. And sometimes you're right. It might be fun to be critical in, in some, you know, types of context. But actually, why don't you just go and make something better? Um which, which you know, it's kind of similar sentiment. I mean, it is, it is true. Like, it is very funny. It's very funny to laugh at the wonky thing. Of course it is. Everyone loves a bit of snark. But when it sort of transcends snark and becomes a bit mean and becomes a bit like an aggressive takedown, it's sort of like, we've all had a laugh, but let's let's move on. Let's, let's, let's make good stuff, I think. Uh, are there any books you would recommend, Gavin? Oh, yeah, there's loads of books, actually. Um, James Victoria, obviously the wonderful James Victoria. He's just got Feck Perfection, his new book. That looks awesome. I haven't got it, but everything James does and says and makes is awesome. So he's great. Aaron Draplin, um, his book, um, his very comprehensive Bible of his work, but also his outlook is just, I mean, talking of powerhouses and forces of nature, Aaron Draplin is 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 totally unique in that way. He is wonderful. Uh, Bro's Mind, the amazing um, Spanish Barcelona-based brothers, uh, Juan and Alejandro, are just two incredible creatives. What they make is amazing. And their book, um, if you can find it, I think it's called Who, What, Where. I can't remember. Basically, if you search Bro's Mind book, anything that they make is wonderful. Um, Man, who else? Who else? Who else? There's just, there is just, so many i think actually what i love is uh guillermo del toro the legendary filmmaker he has a book that is sort of half interview and half catalog of all his sketchbook and half no you can't have three halves is the third <laughs> mass was never my strong point third of it is um is it's like a a documentation of all of the amazing things that he's collected in his life i think it's called like cabinet of curiosity or something i think that Oh, that's from Harry Potter, isn't it? It's something. Again, search Guillermo del Toro book. That that thing is is awesome. Um, Shepherd Fairy book is very awesome. Oh, there's loads, but that that's that's a good starter, I think. Amazing, yeah. Well, um, if you think of any more, email them over, and I'll add them to the listings. We always like to share book recommendations. So finally, we always dedicate every show to someone, Gavin, and we bestow or hospital pass that honor depending on your view to our guest. So would you? Do the honours. I would dedicate it to my son, my little boy, Sullivan Gray Strange. And the reason why I just want to give him, it's two parts. I want to give him everything I can to make him the most positive, respectful, kind force of nature in the world as he grows up. I mean, at the same time that I want to give him all that, I also, and just to get deep here, I also want him to know everything that he already has. I want him to understand and respect his position as a white male in this universe. I want him to know 
and understand what that means and that responsibility he has in the privilege that he has inbuilt, um, which 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 I need him to to know that, and I know I need him to understand that privilege to then become an ally for everyone who does not have those privileges. And I think about this an awful lot, and I think about privilege again as a as a white straight male. I I I literally to paraphrase Will Wheaton, he says I I I live life on the lowest possible difficulty setting. Absolutely. And I want to make sure I am keeping myself in check and understanding understanding those privileges at every single point. And I want to educate my son growing up to understand those and to, to be that ally to so he can help people who don't have those same, same privileges and just be a lovely, kind human being that operates in a universe that respects all human beings to 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 just be a positive force for for good and that's that's what i want to um you know i want him to listen to this maybe in the future and listen to his old man and go oh dad wasn't very good at explaining all of this stuff and he went on a bit and he's got a really high-pitched <laughs> voice and he's very annoying and and, and 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 all that but at least he had he had the best intentions and you know i'd love i would love sully my boy to 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 be that force for good so this episode of Call to Action is very, very proudly dedicated to Sullivan. Thank you very much. As a final, final Call to Action, then everyone listening can head over to this episode's listing on calltoaction.co. We've shared links to everything discussed from the Maya Angelo video to Gavin's recommendations on animation software to the Do Lectures and everything discussed. Um, how else can everyone get more Gavin Strange? Oh God! If you if you are if you are feeling that way inclined to inflict myself upon you, of of which thank you, and I'm sorry. The best way is to Google Jam Factory. I'm Jam Factory on on the old social networks, and that is my website with all of my nonsense on it. Uh, what else? Gavin Strange book. Yeah, my book's out there. If you if you really and also, if you were really just a masochist, you could follow me on the internet. You could get my book and read it. And then also you could get the audio book version on Audible if you truly wanted to um, inflict serious pain on yourself. I would be in, 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 in your debt and gratitude. And that is how you can get me. Or you could go, oh, my God, what what Giles has done is, is give me a red flag. And I want to avoid this person that, every single possible opportunity and you could add all of those terms to your blocked muted words on twitter <laughs> brilliant well of course we will would already um link to your to your book and and, and the audiobook version as, as a side question then do you narrate the audiobook unfortunately for everyone i do yes <laughs> you do brilliant no i think that's the only way it's the only way gavin thank you so much for joining us it's been a, a you know it's been hugely enjoyable and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it thank you to all your listeners for giving me their time and and good luck and godspeed and i hope you make amazing things and you're all wonderful and thank you so much see you love you bye thank you as ever for listening to our show this was the first of our best of series next week we celebrate our anniversary with the return of richard shotton five years and one book better. See you there.
Revolution I can't get no Call to action But I try And I try And I try And I try